0: We are going to uh, continue our series today called Anchors for Easter. And, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Nick, uh, last Sunday morning, Sebastian, last Sunday night, brought incredible messages answering the question of who is the real Jesus of the Bible? And uh, what a great message they were. They were great messages. If you haven't heard them yet, please go back, listen to them, jump on the Empower Church YouTube page or iTunes for our podcast as well. Uh, and, uh, I just love the fact that, you know, uh, in this day and age, people really need to know who the real Jesus of the Bible is, uh, cause you can kind of have a Google Jesus and, uh, you know, what my friend told me or what my mom told me one time, you know what I mean? A view or understanding of who Jesus is, but hey, we want to have the real Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible. It's only the real Jesus that saves us, isn't it? You know, and uh, and so that is the key. But today, I'm going to dive into answering the question: What is so special about the cross? What's so special about the cross? Why did Jesus have to die at the cross? You know, when we think about the cross, it's the most pivotal point in our history, and we even our calendar. You kind of it's, a, it's kind of a stop point in history where we have BC before Christ and we have AD anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Uh, it was situationally, you know, the time that he came, which changed history forever. And uh, and so we got we got BC, we got AD. So our, our calendar is built on this pivotal moment in history. And so for Jesus coming into our world is just an incredible thing and it's the main thing that our whole world needed who believes that today and so today we have over two billion people that call jesus lord in this world how incredible is that they that they they believe that jesus came he existed he was a real a real person uh he did die on a roman cross and he did rise from the dead so there is a faith in Jesus and the belief of over 2 billion people across the world is the fact that Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord in heaven and he's Lord on earth and that is where our faith lies. And so next Sunday, next, next, next Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday morning that we will celebrate as well is celebrating the most pivotal point in history and also celebrating the fact and reflecting on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and Him rising from the dead is where our faith hinges upon. It hinges on. Even atheists know that Jesus existed, all right? Even scholars that don't believe essentially in God know that He existed and know that He died on the cross. If you uh, refute that, it's just ridiculous because there's so much evidence pointing towards the fact that Jesus existed in our history and He did die on a Roman cross. And it's not just the four Gospels that adhere to that, but it's also other uh, writers in that time of history that were not Christians that wrote about the existence of Christ. See, where. The, the, the I guess the, the the line that we cross is the fact that, hey, Jesus, not only did he die, but he rose from the dead as well. That is the key to our faith. Who believes that today? And so, you know, I, I look across uh, not only the world, but across Australia. This is what mcrindle says in a recent study. It says nine in 10 Australians, 91%, now at know at least a few things about the life of Jesus. That's 91% of Aussies. 5% have heard of Jesus, but don't know anything about his life. And 3% of Australians have never heard of Jesus. How incredible is that? Now, it's, 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 it's great to see that 91%, the majority of Australians, at least know a little bit about Jesus. 5% have heard some things. That's kind of like the Google Jesus type thing. And I thought about the 3%. I'm like, where, where are those 3% of people at? Like, they live in a box? Like, what, how do you not know? But I thought about it, I thought, oh, there's immigration. There's people that live and that don't speak the language. There's all sorts of reasons why people who have come to this country may not have ever heard of Jesus. And how many know, I look at those stats and I see what a mission field. What a mission field we live in in our world today. For Aussies, I think about Caloundra. I mean, if we're looking at those stats, I mean, what a mission field we have in Caloundra of people that need to know Jesus. And this is why, you know, Good Friday, Easter Sunday morning are, yes, times of reflection and celebration about our faith. But they are also about others as well, isn't it? See, Easter is about us saying, thank you, Jesus. But it's also about letting others know the good news of who Jesus is. And I, I, I love this. I've had two opportunities even in the last week to share my faith with people. And it has just been amazing moments of just sitting there and, and just feeling the Holy Ghost in those moments. You know, I had a friend, a neighbor that I've been trying to work on for a long time, talk to him. And, 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 and you know, I've invited him to church. He came to a Christmas service a few years ago. And uh, hadn't been back, but you know, he really wanted to have a chat two Saturdays ago and just have a, have a talk about, you know, about Easter and about God and all that stuff. And we were able to dig, dive in to such a great conversation. And at the end of the conversation, he looked at me and he said, I've got to go now, but you've given me a lot to ponder on, you know. And, uh, and so, so I just, I, I love that this is such a great opportunity to invite. Uh, and, And here's the deal. You invite someone to an Easter service, what's the worst they can do? Say no. That's it. That's it, it's just, they could probably say, no, I can't, or or I can't get to Good Friday, but I can get to Easter Sunday, or I can get to Good Friday. We just don't know what God is gonna do. You know, in most cases, most people are very, very open to it, which is incredible. So next week, I just believe God is gonna move powerfully in this place in bringing the gospel to those who have not heard it before and those who need to hear it again, amen? That's what it is about. And I'm just so excited for what God is going to do. You know, a lot of people that have heard about Jesus uh, and know about the cross, um, and I, I think about the, the the movie The Passion. You know, Mel Gibson did that movie a, a while ago now. It's probably 16, 17 years ago now. Um, but uh, but he's about to do another movie called The Resurrection, and I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. But, you know, I, I remember hearing the, the, the stats of people when they came out of seeing this movie, especially those who were not Christian, did not even understand the faith at all, They came out and their biggest question was this, is why did he have to do that? Why did he have to die? What, what was the reason? You know, and a lot of people would probably look into it and think, well, he, you know, he, was, he was threatening to, to the, the people in authority. And they were the religious leaders at the time. He was a certain threat to the Romans to a certain degree. Um, but, but mainly to the religious leaders because he was, you know, he was gathering a following around him. And uh, it was a threat to their way, a threat to what they thought God wanted. And that is the main reason why he was killed. But at the end of the day, the, the one thing, and, and most people go, okay, yeah, I get that. I understand that. But the thing that we need to understand is this, is that Jesus wanted to die. He wanted to go to the cross. I mean, that's the thing that you scratch your head over, isn't it? That's the thing that you have to think about for a moment is that He actually wanted to go to the cross. And it was the main reason that He came into our world was so that He could die at that cross and raised from the dead three days later. Now the reason that Jesus wanted to go to the cross was this, is to atone for our sins. He was there to be the ultimate sacrifice, good for all time, once for all time, to deal, with the sin of all of humanity and all of creation. See, you need to understand is that when Adam and Eve, the first humans, first sinned, that they not only sent humanity into a disconnection and a chasm that was fractured from God our Creator to who we were, but they sent the whole creation into that fracture. In Romans 8, it talks about that the whole earth groans under the corruption. The corruption of sin, that's why the whole earth groans. So the, the earth is groaning, all right? That's why there's sin. That's why we deal with all the stuff that goes on in our world because the earth is groaning under the disconnection from the creator. And it's about it coming back under and into relationship again. And, and I, I love this is that, is that before Christ, Really, what had to happen to kind of deal with sin before Jesus was this. We look at Hebrews 10 10 to 12. It says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, this is Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. So what we see here, we think that the writer of Hebrews was Paul, but whoever the writer was, uh, says this is that is that before Christ, before he came to deal with the ultimate problem of sin that the Jewish culture, what they had to do is they had to uh, bring sacrifices to be able to cover their sin. So the animal sacrifices of pure sheep and goats, and they would come and they would day after, there would be ultimate sacrifices that would cover the sins of that year and the sins of the past. So you can imagine like, like a bit of a blanket getting thrown over the top of the sins. So God would kind of you know he wouldn't he wouldn't want to deal with it there in that moment, but he would see okay that's been covered for now. All right. How I many know when you got uh, when you have guests come over, you've always got that kind of back room somewhere where everything gets shoved. It's like where are they going to go? They're going to go into the lounge room. They're going to go into the dining room. They'll go to the probably go to the loo. They'll go to the bathroom. Make sure all those places are clean. But there's that one room. It's like, and you always tell your kids, make sure you don't open this door. Don't open this door because we shoved all of our clothes that are still to get folded. We threw everything into this room. And and sometimes it's getting thrown from the hallway into land somewhere in that room. But it's all good because we get to close the door. I'm going to close up this door and nobody's going to see it. Come on, it's a little bit like that. That's kind of how it was for God. God was like, look, I know what's in that back room. I know I know what's back there. And sometime, at some point, we're gonna have to get back and clean up that room. We're gonna have to deal with the mess. We're gonna have to deal with the brokenness. So this is what was happening generation after generation after generation, constant covering, covering, covering. Hey, there's only so many things you can shove into a room, isn't there? I only can't close the door. You know, it's like there's only so much you can do. At some point, it's got to get dealt with. And that's what it was about for Jesus. He says, why he came, because of the longing, because of his heart. To say, hey, we've got to, we've got to deal with this. We've got to deal with the sin. See, it's been covered over, covered over, covered over for, for thousands of years. Covered over, covered over. But now, now I'm going to go and deal with the problem of sin. And I'm going to deal with it good for all time. Not only am I going to deal with what it's been in the past, but I'm going to deal with it from this point on, eternity. I'm going to deal with the problem of sin. I'm going to deal with its reign. I'm going to deal with its sting. I'm going to deal with every part of what sin has been and how it has corrupted this earth and corrupted people's lives so that we can then have relationship with our maker again and relationship with Jesus. Amen. How beautiful is it? You know, and I I got two things I just wanna share today of reasons why Christ went to the cross. Now, I know there's more. There's more things that that, that are there when you dig deeper into why Christ went to the cross. But I just wanna share two today. the first is this. It was because of His love. His love. God's love for us. See, God was not content to just let us stay in this place. He wasn't content to allow us to just live in this place where we were, uh, you know, disconnected from Him. See, God's desire and His love is for us. He desires relationship with us. He wants us with Him. And we think about Adam and Eve, the first that were created. And we, and we know this, when you read uh, Genesis 3, you can read through the beautiful picture of here is Adam, pre-sin, was able to walk with God in the cool of the evening. Now just so ever you ever get home um, to your, your husband or your wife after a big day of work and you sit out the back and you have that cup of tea or coffee. I don't drink tea. I have a nice cup of coffee. But, you know, and you, and you just have that moment, isn't it? You reconnect. You talk about the day. Sometimes when you've got kids, and we do as well, it's not till maybe 9 o'clock at night that we can sit down and actually have a chat with each other. Oh, but you cherish it, don't you? You cherish that time of union. You cherish that time of togetherness. It's incredible. And here you have God literally walking in the cool of the evening together, going out, having a chat, relationship that's there, that's just wholesome and powerful and beautiful. Adam doesn't even have a clue what sin is. No idea. He just thinks this is all normal to live in glory. He's walking around naked, but he's covered in the glory of God because so he can't even see his nakedness. How incredible is that? I mean, it was the best. He already had the best. He was living in it, and he didn't even understand it. It's like a fish saying, hey, what's water? It's just normal. It's what they have every day, isn't it? I mean, so for us, we have to understand the beauty of the harmony of relationship with God. All right. Now, when they were deceived through the devil, when they were deceived to think that okay, you know, and, and the devil got them in their pride. It's always the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He got them in their pride. He said, "You can be like gods yourself. Take of this fruit. Sin against God. Just just take of it." And 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 they and and when they did, that's when I mean the glory dropped off them. That's when they were they realized, man, we're naked. And there was a shame that came to it. There was a shame in their nakedness because whenever there's sin, what follows is guilt and shame, isn't it? All right, and, 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 and so there was a shame. That's why when God comes out five o'clock, it was like, let's go for that walk, Adam. Adam, Adam, he's hiding back behind a tree somewhere. And it was like, where are you? Where are you at? I mean, how many know it's God? He knew exactly where Adam was. It's like It wasn't like, oh man, gosh, I've got to create a new one. I've gone and lost this one. You know, it was like it was. It was, you know, he knew exactly where he was, but the thing was, the reason why I said Adam, 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 where are you? Because Adam didn't know where Adam was. Adam lost the connection with God, his Creator, and he's like, Adam, do you even know where you are right now? And so here is the 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 the, the disconnection that took place. There's a shame. There's There's a sin that's there, and and so I want you to see this, is that it was God's love. It was God's desire to have us back into relationship with Him. Now, John 3.16, most of us know this. This scripture, for God so what? Loved the world. He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. It was because of his love. Romans eight thirty-eight to 39 says this, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of Of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. How powerful is that? That passage, the love of God. See, even though we may have sinned at times, even though, uh, you know, even if you don't know Jesus today and you feel far from God and disconnected from God, there is nothing that can separate you from His love. He loves you. It is unending. It is unconditional. The Greek word for it is agape. It means it's just unconditional love. It doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been, what's been done to us. It doesn't matter. He still loves us with the same love. Amen. That's his love. It's a, it's a, it's a longing love. It's a, it's a love that says, I can't stand that my people are far from me. It's a love that will go the distance. It will it will as Philippians 2 teaches us that he came, that Jesus came from divinity. He came in the highest of heights. And then he came as a bondservant. Some versions say as a as a slave. He came in to serve, born into abject poverty. He wasn't born in Herod's palace. He wasn't born in a Pharisee's home. He wasn't born in a rich nobleman's home. He was born in a back manger that probably smelt of animal feces. Come on, think about it. That's where Jesus was born. So when you think, man, I've been through some low lows in my life. I, I, I've been through some tough gigs in my life and you know I've, I've gone this journey. I wanna tell you right now, there's nothing that you've gone through that Jesus doesn't understand that he doesn't know or he hasn't experienced in this life. See, it was all for his love. It was all because of his love is the reason that he came, to come and be that ultimate sacrifice for us. And you and I, we have the opportunity, if we have already, we know him, we love him, we've accepted him into our lives. And anyone here today, if you have not done that uh, yet, at the end of this message, I'm gonna give you an opportunity where you can know Jesus for yourself and experience His love in your life for the first time. It is powerful. There is nothing that matches the love of God. So the first part was because of His love. The second part, goes a little deeper, was actually because of His justice. God is just. God is holy. He is righteous. He's actually the pinnacle of holiness. There's no one more holy than he is. He is righteousness. We, we can be holy because he is holy. He's the standard of holiness. He's the righteousness that we lean into. And the and the issue is, is that sin in itself is actually rebellion against God and his holiness and who he is. God's will. That's what sin is. It's to go, I don't need you, God. I can go my own way. That's what sin is. And so The issue with that type of sin is that God truly loves us, but God's God's issue is with sin, okay? It's with the problem of sin, okay? So sin had to be dealt with because of the love, all right? Because God is just, because He is holy... Uh, and, and sometimes I know in the world we live in today, there is, a, there is a, a, a little bit of a pushback in our culture sometimes to make it a little bit more vanilla sometimes to go, oh, don't talk about sin. Don't talk about sin. I mean, God just, He just loves us, he just affirm everything in our lives and all those things. Hey, when some things are destroying our lives, true love is to say, hey, this is destroying you. This is not helping you. This is, this, is, this is affecting your marriage. This is affecting your family. It's affecting your relationships around you. Sin is always gonna separate what God originally put together. That's what sin is gonna do. In every case. And so it's not a bad thing. Maybe it, it could be uh, culturally at times. People think, oh man, we don't really want to call it out. we got to find gracious ways to deal with that. I understand that. I get that. But at the end of the day, sin is what sin is. And it's disconnection and being far from our creator. And the one thing that saves us is Jesus Christ. Is His atonement. Is what He has done for us, See, you have to understand this about the gospel. The gospel is never neutral. Just think about that. It's never vanilla. It's never in the middle. It's kind of fine. Because this is what a secular culture does. A secular culture wants paradise without the Savior. It wants the, it wants the good blessings without the King. All right, that's what secular culture wants. Give me all the good stuff, but I don't want you to rule over me. I don't want the God factor. I don't want all that stuff, but I want all the blessings. I want all the comforts. I want all the tapestries. I want all that stuff. That's what secular culture is. But the problem with that is that we actually need God. We're created for God. We're created to be in harmony and relationship with Him. And sin separates us from that relationship. And that's why there's effects in the world. That's why there's issues that take place in the world around us. All right, let's talk, take it a little further. In Romans three twenty-three to 26, says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, Through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins. That's what I was saying earlier. He had passed over, he had covered the sins, previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. See, the key to this is, it's not trying to just cover over the sin but it's understanding what sin is that if it is a front to God then the only way that I can come back into relationship the only way we can we can know God's grace and mercy is in repentance isn't it It is in the repentance and coming before God and saying, hey, I am not self-justified, but I am justified through Jesus and his merits of what he has done. See, I want to tell you today, there is not enough good that we can do to come close to the holiness of our God. A lot of times we can measure our goodness, not against God, our creator, but we measure it against each other, don't we? We look at each other and say, oh, I'm a a bit better than that person, and... You know what I mean? I, I do more good stuff than that person over there. And it's like, we measure it against each other. So the measure is here. The problem with that is we don't get to measure our lives against each other. We measure it against God. And there's no way that we can come close at all to getting close to His righteousness and holiness. See, so we cannot self-justify. Our salvation is not based on our merits and our goodness. It's based on Jesus and His merits and His price at the cross. That is what gives us salvation. That's what what allows us to come in. Let's take it a little further. That word propitiation. Let's say that three times. All right, Peter Piper picked it. Yeah, all right. Propitiation. Here's what propitiation means. It says a sacrifice... That bears God's wrath to the end. And in so doing, changes God's wrath towards us into favor. That's what it does. That's what it does. See, sin still needs to be atoned for. Because the wages of sin is death. But here's the key. Here's the beautiful picture. Is that Jesus didn't require any single person, any man or woman in this world, any creation, any creature, to be that sacrifice for all of humanity. He said, I'll do it. God being holy, and just, and justified, as I just read, came and He became that sacrifice. He bore the wrath against the sin. He took it on Himself. He took it in physical suffering on Himself through the whips on His back 39 times. I mean, the, He was whipped so, so much that, that some descriptions in the Word that say that He could see the, the ribs coming out, flesh torn from His body. Bleeding, crown of thorns on his head, thorns that long, a couple of inches thick, rammed down on his head. The nails through his hands. He suffered physically. He suffered emotionally. He suffered with the abandonment of, of his friends, the abandonment of, of people around him, even in the garden. I'm going to preach about that next Sunday, next Good Friday, about the garden experience and what happened there. But, he, he, but not only did he, did he suffer the abandonment of friends and people that he knew around him that he, that he loved, but he suffered the abandonment of his own father, didn't he? Since so his father could not look upon the sin and turn his face from him. And the suffering was, that's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? You've abandoned me. It's hard to understand the relationship of father and son and Holy Spirit throughout eternity. Before we were even here, that were in relationship. A relationship of love, of glory one to another. And see, that was probably one of the most wrenching things for Christ, even in all the physical suffering, was actually the suffering of the abandonment of the Father, the eternal, the, 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 the break that was there. But He had to be broken from that because we had been broken from that. Do you understand that? So it was emotional. It was spiritual took that suffering spiritually because of our disconnection from the Father and from God Himself. And so He took all that so that we could know His salvation. We could know relationship again. That's why it says in uh, Hebrews 10, it says, Let us come now boldly into the throne of our gracious God. He accepts us because of the merits of Christ and for the blood of Jesus that atoned our sin. He was that sacrifice. And that's why we are now, God is propitious toward us. He's favorable toward us because he no longer sees us in our sins, but he sees Jesus in us. He sees Christ in us. That's why we're welcomed into relationship. Come in. Come in. Son, daughter. You're mine. You're in my family. You're a part of us now. You're, you're with me. You're no longer disengaged or disconnected, but you're, you're in relationship with me. This is beautiful, isn't it? It's powerful what Jesus has done for us. You know, just in this moment now, I'd love if we can all close our eyes, across the auditorium. I wanna ask today if there's anyone here today and maybe you've not said a prayer to accept Jesus into your life. And uh, we wanna give you an opportunity where you can today. You know, the greatest decision, the greatest prayer we can ever pray is to say yes to Jesus. Pray, pray this prayer to accept Him into our lives, to accept His salvation, to accept all that He has done for us. And, and it doesn't matter. As I said earlier, as Romans says, there's nothing that separates us from God's love. Nothing, nothing we've done, nothing that's happened, nothing that's happened to us in our lives can, can make us you know, uh, so far from God that He doesn't accept us because He doesn't accept us because of what we've done or what's been done to us. He accepts us because He loves us and because of what He has done for us, and so today, if you want to know Jesus for yourself, I just want to encourage you just lift your hand right now. Raise your hand to say, I need Jesus, I need Him in my life. I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to know this relationship, I want to know Him as my Savior. I want to start this journey with Jesus. If that's you today, lift your hand. Is there anyone today, maybe you have said yes to Jesus in the past, and you want to? you want to recommit your life, maybe you've, you've, you've kind of walked away from God and you've stepped back from God over the past few months or even years and, and you want to make a recommitment to Christ, if that's you today, lift your hand. Lift your hand and say, you know, I need to reconnect my life to Jesus. I need to know Him. I need to know Him. If that's you today. Wonderful. Thank you. I see that hand. That's wonderful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, just in this moment now, we're going to pray this prayer. And I'd love for you to pray it and repeat it after me, okay? So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me. Lord, thank you for the forgiveness of all my sins. I accept you today as my Savior and my Lord. I am born again into your kingdom. Amen. Hey, can we put our hands together and honor the person that raised their hand today? That is incredible, wonderful. Just in a few moments from now, um, Kate's going to jump back up again, and uh, we've got some resources. We'd love to get to those who've said yes to Jesus today, and she'll let you know about that soon. But I, I'd love for you to stand to your feet right now. We're going to go back into this song again, um, hallelujah. We're going to sing it through, praise God, and just think about Christ in this moment right now. But then I just want to pray. I want to pray for us as we lead into this Easter week. Thanks, James.